Hello everyone, welcome to the Mirrors Made From Scratch podcast. The aim of the podcast is to share and discuss all things nutrition, menopause and fitness with you. We're huge believers in consuming foods that will benefit and nourish our overall mental and physical health and I can't wait to share insightful knowledge with some amazing guest speakers. Hello, so today I have with me um, Dr Radhika Vora. Uh, I'm delighted to have her on the podcast today because I think she will be able to share so much knowledge and information with us and I think that will be um, useful for so many people. Radhika, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me Mira. So let's please would you mind introducing yourself to our audience, to our listeners and also just tell us a little bit about yourself as well. Yes, thank you. Um, so my name is Radhika Vora, I'm a GP, I trained in Birmingham in 2001 and I work as an NHS and private GP in Surrey. Um, I very early on got a very special interest in women's health and started off with reproductive health and then moved on to menopause and education. So I work as a trainer, a speaker, an appraiser for NHS doctors and I'm a medical trustee to the menopause charity. So I really enjoy variety in all the different hats that I can be fortunate enough to carry. Yeah, no, you've got your uh, work spread out, but very uh, in a really um, sort of pr- productive and proactive way, actually, in, on covering lots of different fronts. I mean, could I just ask, because it's, it's, it's not very often, there are not many uh, GPs or medical practitioners who are um, so interested in menopause, but, but I suppose what I'd really like to know is what drove you to, to sort of go into the field of women's health? What was the driver for you? Yeah, no, it was it was multiple things. Um, I started off in hospital medicine, like we do as part of training, and very early on in A and E, there was a pattern of middle aged women and how they came in, often with chest pain, with palpitations, and I could see in Birmingham where I was working that there was a large Asian and um, ethnic population that would come in with vague all over body symptoms, and it was very noticeable. So in general practice, the same thing happened women would come in with vague collective symptoms, almost head to toe, body pain, changes in mood, you know, women who had never had anxiety presenting with anxiety. And at that time, we had lots of negative associations with any sort of approach to menopause in terms of treatment, and particularly HRT. So I could see these things were happening. And given that I did a lot of contraceptive and reproductive Uh, medicine for women then it almost seemed like a natural progression for the next chapter Mm. and I think it's something that we don't do very well in general practice primarily because you you prioritize what you're educated in and it's not part of standard training that is changing which is really great and it's really important that changes because women are spending longer and longer um living in a menopausal state so you know average age at the moment means that women can spend at least 40 years post-menopausal living working longer having a lot of demands on their body and yet they can be quite unwell so it's really important that changes and I just found it so rewarding to treat women and that's what's driven me to want to do more and more you know I think this is transformational medicine Mm. and it's so important to hold that hand in hand with lifestyle changes and make our approach to women's health much more holistic yeah yeah no and and it what's so interesting is that when you 
when you were working with these women and you were working in the field, as it were, um, you know, um, you were able to see these symptoms, which quite often uh, I was having a discussion yesterday with uh, Camden. Uh, I was luckily lucky to be invited as a guest speaker for Camden Council. Um, and one of the things that was was noticeable was that people all suffer very different symptoms okay but actually what tends to happen when you go to your medical professional practitioner um is that then they're very rarely because as you said of the training which is now which is now changing um they very rarely see it as a collective it's actually seen as individual conditions so there was a lady there who was actually saying to me and many of the women i've worked with now as well say the same thing you know if, if they're suffering from anxiety, that's treated as anxiety mm. and mm. depression, so you get a tablet for that. If you're suffering with body aches or joint pains, okay, well, we can fix that and give you this. If you're suffering uh, with palpitations, right, okay, we need to go and send you to, you know, get investigated by the cardiologist or whatever. So all of those symptoms are treated individually, but very rarely seen as one collective thing. And I know that that's changing, but that can quite often be a really um a negative um first encounter for women mm-hmm. um would you kind of agree that a that that is quite often and b that 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 kind of negative could actually set women back as well in in getting treatment yeah no it's it's so multifactorial and i think that we, you know, until recently, we, there was once a time where they didn't believe the mind and body were connected. Yes, so we've true. overcome <laughs> that. So I think we've got this next stage of growth to to realise that our whole body is connected, yeah. and that's under discussion a lot. But for someone to own that in the expectations that there is to manage everything is very difficult. Yeah, and resources come into play, yes. training comes into play, and also, um, you know, interest as generalists as GPs, it's you know our the, the job is supposed to be a very general approach. So you're yeah. sort of looking at head to toe. It's a huge amount of um, different disease and pathology and reassurance skills that are needed. But the, the demands on general practice have meant that you're expected to do more and more in much more detail. Yeah. And I think that, unfortunately, that will lead to some people specialising in different things or interested in different things and de-skilling in other areas. Yeah. What's sort of profound about menopause, but also quite obvious to somebody from my perspective is joining the dots yes that's there's exactly a real distinctive I mean, pattern yes yeah there is a pattern we know average age of menopause is 51 perimenopause which is the run-up to menopause starts yes. up to seven to ten years before yes. so we see these turbulent hormonal fluctuations that lead to various symptoms in varying degrees of severity so it's treating it like a spectrum rather than a solo event in life mm-hmm. And I think once we get that education on board, and I think for women, we've got to increase awareness in particularly different groups as well, in different um, ethnic groups, because if we increase the awareness, that taboo goes and that acceptance of talking about this and acknowledging it goes. And I think that it's really, really important to for both medical clinicians and women to be on this journey. Yeah. And that's how we're going to join all the dots. and. Yeah. You know, I still see women, even with my um, experience and role, and they really struggle to open up. So if you can imagine in a sort of a very busy consult where someone's quite overwhelmed, it'd be quite difficult to to build that rapport. And the other thing is continuity. It's trying to see the same person 
more than once has become very difficult yeah. and challenging and there's lots of reasons for that but I think the breakdown of the whole caring model is difficult at the moment yeah but if we get the message out and improve awareness and there's fantastic resources that are available for women to do the background and feel more reassured so when they come to that stage they're much more prepared for it yeah it there are a couple of things that I would love to know a little bit more about but I think what is still alarming and I know yourself you I know I I know I am as a company we are and I know there are and I'm connecting with more and more women and and people generally companies that are more willing to um, share about their menopause journeys more willing to talk about those things more willing to kind of get the word out there and actually you know for me it's just like a, a complete mission for me um, to make sure that <laughs> it is spoken about and that we are empowering these women but actually what what i'm what we're still hearing more and more and more is that um it's it's very difficult to talk about something and again as you say if we don't know what's happening to us so you touched on that and i was it was a question i was going to ask you and you answered it. it was brilliant you did answer it which was that actually some women are coming into you where they may not even know that this is happening and you you may be joining the dots for them. Um, but one of the things that I, I will always advise women, and I did this yesterday on my talk, and I do it with every woman that I speak to, is to keep a, is to, if they feel that things are happening, to trust their body, to trust their own, their own understanding of their body at that point in time, and to keep a note and mm -hmm. a diary of mm -hmm. things that are happening before they visit the GP. Because again, quite Absolutely. often, as you said, you go to a different GP each time, all right, you're going to be writing your notes, but how often does a GP have time? You know, and I know you, you the other thing is, you know, I do not slate GPs or any medical practitioners. I just say that I just don't think there is enough educational resources for you um, as GPs. I think that's, there is a lot that needs to be done, as you said, within the care system. Um, but to keep a, keep a diary and then present that, would that be one of the, is, is that a something that you would recommend? What would you recommend to women who perhaps are experiencing things that they, they're not sure what's going on. No, absolutely. I think that, you know, that's a real fundamental thing. Being aware of your body is so important. And in the busy times that we live in, that's a, that's a cause of so much problems. It's just mm. this lack of awareness of where your yeah. body's at. If you check in and feel are aware of what's normal, then you're more likely to notice when things are not normal. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing I would say that's really important is having an understanding of your menstrual cycle. Yes. So, you know, do to keep a cycle diary. You can do that in so many different ways. Yeah. You could have a paper diary. You could have an app. You yeah. could just circle a calendar, whatever works for you. Have a look at what your cycle's doing. Thirdly, have a think about your family history. You know, when you are meeting family members, think about hormonal family histories such as breast cancer, ovarian cancer, but other things such as early menopause, you know, does your family have a history of that? Think, and I think the most important thing is educate yourself. Mm. There is so much information available on menopause. There is a fantastic free app called Balance Menopause, which is um, approved by the NHS, and it has 
the biggest volume of menopause information possible in a library. It's got podcasts, it's got leaflets, it's got videos, whichever format works for you, it's there. And it's also got a fantastic symptom tracker and you can circle symptoms and grade them. And you don't have to do this every day, but if you were to do it monthly, very quickly, you would start to join those dots. Mm. And you can then download and print off that symptom tracker and go prepared to your practitioner with the information that you have. And I think that that is so important because when you're offered choices, and I still see this now as women get slightly spooked, but if you're doing all the lifestyle things that are so fundamental to support your menopause, alongside to whichever extent you can sometimes the chicken and egg situation if you feel rubbish asking that person to go and do lots of exercise and transform how they eat and live can be quite challenging yeah. particularly if you're really anxious and menopause has huge mental health and psychological effects on some women Definitely. but if you are making some being able to have those prepared means that consult and that conversation is much more likely to be favorable to an outcome that you would like and yeah. work for you yeah. I mean, just for example, I saw a woman yesterday who came in for a menopause chat in my NHS role and it, it transpired she had really high blood pressure. Mm. So, you know, we've tackled that. We've gone through a bit of the menopause education. She's gone with some action points for her blood pressure and in a month's time we'll readdress yeah. where she's at with treating her menopause then. And I think that, you know, it's just trying to have an open mind on how how many different things are going on. But I do appreciate, Mira, when someone's completely overwhelmed, it can be really difficult to, to work through this. And that's why we want women to feel supported. Mm -hmm. Things like the menopause charity, um, the balance app information, and also the communities that exist on social platforms are all there to support women. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want women to ever feel they're going through this alone no. because, you know, we, we are a huge chunk of population, highly important. And it's really, really important that you don't feel alone. No, absolutely. I mean, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, really, because when I went through it, which was now again, no one had joined the dots and I wasn't really supported very well. But, you know, it was I was 40 and I was told I was way too young um, and, you know, no way could I be going through the menopause. But if I'd gone in and said with the information I had, actually, you know, I, I think I'm going through perimenopause. Somebody might have stood up and said, yeah, yeah, you probably are. Um, mm. But because I was using the word menopause correctly, they were saying, no, you can't be going through menopause. Um, and, you know, you, you're talking about the, the, the tracking your, your menstrual cycle. And so interesting because, again, with my daughters, that's where I've learned that, that, you know, I mean, I'm postmenopausal, but I've, I now see them doing it. And it's actually a very normal thing for them to do. Um, mm -hmm. so they know when their period's going to be it's not going to be a big old surprise which you know in my in my day it was yeah. like oh yeah okay well you know it'll come whenever it's going to come roughly it's about then but who knows um, so there are lots of tools and things to help but again with kind of marginalized societies with those people who aren't going to be able to access um, you know the internet and access an app and and perhaps don't even have it on their radar all of these things can be quite difficult but I know that the work that you're doing, and as I was saying to you, the work that I'm, you know, hoping to be involved with as well, is going to really help to reach those, um, reach everybody, really, which is what we yeah. want. And um, and I think communities are strong places. Once we get yes. that message in, yes. you know, that message will cascade, and yeah. it will. It's really important. And you know, uh, estrogen is a master hormone. You know, yeah. female body is full of estrogen receptors. And there's such strong evidence now that postmenopausal women are increased risk of 
estrogen deficiency, but also osteoporosis, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, obesity, depression, early dementia, and all of these are profoundly important in some um, and highly more uh, prevalent in some communities. And, you know, I think that from a healthcare system, it's really important we address menopause in everybody. Yes. And you mentioned perimenopause, and I think that's this is a very interesting slant that has changed, and it's a real step in the right direction because we don't need to wait for periods to stop for one year to be proactive anymore. Exactly. So, you know, we can be much more proactive in the perimenopause, and the coming generations, you know, if we can empower them to want to know their bodies and, you know, I mean, in an ideal world, if we could parallel um, menstrual and um, uh, perimenopause education alongside sex education that oh, would be yeah. the magic recipe wouldn't yes. it yes oh um, gosh absolutely and and in every kind of you know and I know it sounds strange but even in a maternity wing where I was today or wherever there is women's health you know mm. you kind of need these signposts and and things flagging up just small simple things like you know again you know I'm, I'm using the loo and you're sitting in the loo or you're washing your hands or whatever having certain things you know and I know they're posters and people go well they're only posters but actually it filters into your psyche um but I, I do think that again there is a lot of I think we've got a long way to go um but I feel like there are um more and more of us who are willing to um support and and share and actually increase the the wealth of, of knowledge that there is out there. Um, I mean, you know, just from my own experience working with now 37 women over the last 18 months on the program that I designed, because I, I again, my, my day, HRT was an absolute no-no. It wasn't something that I went anywhere near. And I remember making that conscious decision when my husband said, well, why don't you, have you thought about HRT as a pharmacist? And I was like, absolutely no way. I am not having that, you know. And there was no evidence behind any of my decision making at Mm -hmm. all other than the evidence of the you know the 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 thing that was tackled um you know with the with Davina's um documentary which actually was just again just proven to be just not correctly um documented at all so um you know I think it's just it's just important that that information is out there that that we, we you know we share that with everybody but the lifestyle changes you said as well and as a doctor it's just it's becoming I can see it more where GPs and doctors are a lot more willing to kind of look at lifestyle changes and the women that I've worked with we've obviously because I'm not medically trained in any way and the women that I work with we we work predominantly with lifestyle changes and Mm -hmm. and improving their energy and their and those symptoms through lifestyle but what I always say to them is this isn't the, this isn't how it kind of you, you've got to make your decision because all these lifestyle changes are only going to help uh, help as long as you are feeling the benefit. And actually, your body may need HRT because that is just how your body is operating. So don't ever, ever dismiss and say it's an either or. Um, and I think that's just would you kind of agree? I think you've sort of said, you know, with, with you said with that blood pressure thing that actually that's important to get the both both. Um, yeah. aspects and there to be a, a level of choice I think 
Absolutely. But I think it's, it's, it's got to be a progressive journey. I think yeah. it's really, um, I, I'm not an advocate of someone going in and coming out with, with five different prescriptions because yeah. I think it's a lot to digest. It's a lot to take on. The benefits we're looking at with HRT in particular are short term in terms of symptom improvement, but there is yeah. some lifestyle things that can be done, such as caffeine, alcohol, exercise for that. Exactly. And that's important, but also long term for your heart, your brain and your bones. I mean, HRT is really, really useful for a lot of women and it can be really important. But for sadly, for some women who aren't able to take it either down to their history or um, cancer care they're undergoing, they have been exaggerated. So, you know, for the vast majority of women, the benefits of HRT are far greater than the risks. And many, many women can take it compared to what we believe. Um, is currently happening so the numbers that take it are very few and we know that there's a very interesting paper that was published in September 2021 um, and it showed that women from lower socioeconomic groups Mm. were 29% less likely to be prescribed HRT than more affluent areas and we know there's a huge correlation between um, BAME population and low socioeconomic groups. So there's a huge thing to tackle there in about the health inequality that we have in the postcode lottery. But it's, you know, there is enough evidence now to say the earlier HRT started, the lower your future risk of heart disease and bone disease. So if it started within 10 years of the menopause or before the age of 60, it will reduce your risk quite significantly particularly if it's via your skin so you know that sort of proactive approach is needed Mm. but alongside that you know lifestyle will never go astray I think you know I mean definitely with aging parents who change their lifestyle the way they live well into their 60s the transformation is always going to be there and that's what I've experienced and seen so I think you know even from a personal journey lifestyle is very very important yeah hugely and and I'm glad that there is that you know, that there is so much more kind of um, uh, emphasis being put on that and recognition that that is there. Um, and, we're, and you know, you mentioned about the, which I, I, I did actually read this, I think either you or one of the other people I'm following posted posted something about the, the study, uh, which made, which sort of urged me to, to kind of have a look. But it, it's, what I, I mean, again, being South Asian myself, being, you know, Indian myself, speaking to my family, speaking to my, uh, to my relatives, you know, it's not something we talk about at all. And I remember um, going to my mum and, you know, my mum was like, well, it just, I don't even, I don't, you know, I don't remember there being any issue at all. Um, it just, my periods just stopped one day and I'm, I was fine. I didn't have any of the symptoms. And she still says that to this day when, you know, and she did say to me, she said, why do you keep going on about this thing the whole time? And now you're on, you know, now you're talking about it on your social media and stuff. Um, so she's, she, she, initially she was a little bit kind of like, what are you doing? Um, mm. Uh, and now she's sort of, you know, now she'll talk to me and she'll say, you know, I really didn't have many of these symptoms that you've got, Mira. I, I didn't feel them. I just, you know, I've always been very regular with my periods. I've always been, so we've been very, um, our, my, I've been very different to my mother in terms of our kind of women's health journey. Um, so my periods were very different to her period. So again, interestingly enough, you know, I didn't have that, um, th- that thing to fall back on. I think within, um, you know, within different communities, it is a taboo. So that kind of 29% uh, figure that we're looking at is is probably also because 
uh, as well as it's that whole combination, isn't it? It's the combination of the GPs not having the knowledge that they need, the resources that they need within the community to educate um, and reach out to those uh, to the, the, that mm. popu- you know population. Um, so it, it is again this whole thing of education, knowledge, community, resources. It's that whole thing again, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think that you know our health system doesn't function for. To have proactive care no so it needs to come from grassroots and yeah. everyone has a responsibility in that even as an employer yeah. and partners have a huge role yes. i think in a, in a male dominated culture yes. and there's certainly a study that looked at menopausal experiences of women living in um, karachi in pakistan mm. and found that the biggest finding was they lacked support from their husbands yes and their attitudes and behaviours were not very supportive. Yeah. Now we can draw some parallels to some communities here with that. Mm. And you know, there's going to be different layers to pick away with this mirror as it as it as we progress into it. Yeah. But I think that one of the things that we you know, self-knowledge is so important. And, you know, I've had a mixture of experiences. My mum had terrible hot flushes and I remember witnessing them as a medical student and being really perplexed. Yeah. It did look like she was having, you know, for wanting a better term, like a heart attack. And I was thinking, oh my God, is she going to come back from this? Yeah. And, um, you know, and the pressure there as a medical student was like, well, I don't know what to do. And (laughs) and it's, um, but from that to translate to some of the women I've seen in clinic, to the transformation that even genitourinary care can make for older women is profound. And I think the shame and the, the secrecy associated with it is so important. I've seen women in um, where, where I used to work before my current practice in the NHS had a large Bangladeshi community. And I'd see women, you know, housebound because they were incontinent or um, struggling with urinary frequency. Yeah. And just some simple vaginal estrogen was a life changer. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're talking about somebody getting their independence back, being able to go out. And these are young women, you know, and if you're confined to home already at that age, mm. and these sorts of barriers, particularly because of taboo over terminology and anatomy, are really important. And there's some really good work going on. Um, using whichever platforms women work with but I think we individuals have a responsibility to keep this conversation going and talking about it and sometimes it can be overwhelming because it's head to toe so we need to chip away at it yeah and someone might have some symptoms and someone others and I definitely see a lot more body aches and palpitations and urinary symptoms in women from South Asian background yeah and one theory behind that is because of the plant-based diet helps Mm -hmm. have fewer hot flushes Mm -hmm. but we know that there's enough data to say you know particularly for example a woman from a um uh, African origin really do struggle to get menopause care and their you know that their, their symptoms are noticed much and documented much later on to be enough to warrant treatment yeah. so if we're proactive for all women I think we need to t- work on taking away two things one it's a menopause affects um women who are much more westernized mm. and um you know is much more a Caucasian um, complaint take yeah. that away and particularly when a woman you know starts to notice her periods changing that's the time to start getting the education and talking yeah. about it and it's interesting you share that family experience because in between the lockdowns I had a fa- we had a family barbecue in the garden and as a table full of everybody ranging from 80 to 10 we were talking about the menopause <laughs> and it was brilliant you know we were just it was everyone was just talking about how yeah 
important it is. And I think for, you know, my family women that aren't medical, that's really nice because yeah. they can, you know, and, it, and it's also less pressure on myself because everyone's talking about it. And to have young nieces talking about it, it's really, really important. That translates into more and more families. Yeah, no, you're you're so right. I, just, I get called the menopause queen sometimes, which is hysterical. I'm like, okay, I, I, it, that's a good name to have. I really don't mind it as long as it changes somebody's mindset. And actually, I sometimes get um, family friends, males, um, who kind of, you know, quietly come speak to me and go, "What's this thing you're doing? Like, what what is this yeah. stuff? You know?" And I'll and I'll speak to them, and then they'll be really interested. And I just think, wow, okay. You know, even if I've, even if you, some one little thing is filtered in, it's, it's, um, um, it's, it's definitely worth it. Um, Radhika, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I could actually talk to you forever and ever. Uh, and I am aware that I'm taking up so much of your time, but it's been um, really invaluable, the information that you have shared. Um, and you've given us uh, some really good places to go to and signposted the audience to where they can go and what, you know, where they can find information. There's just a couple of things just to end with. And, and we do this with, with all our guests. So um, it would be lovely if you could... Um, if you could share just one lifestyle habit that you personally practice, um, which you feel has really had a, a real benefit to you and you cherish it and, and you would, wouldn't mind sharing that with our audience. Yes, um, I was actually sharing this last night with somebody else and it just um, articulating it was really interesting because I realised the impact it's had on my life. Mm. So I would say in the last 18 months, um, I use um, we're all busy and life is like that and it's difficult to prioritize yourself and I'm sure I'm not the only woman saying this so I use my cue for going for a shower to mean I need to do some physical movement before I go for a shower right. so whether that's 10 star jumps five minute stretch or a bit of yoga or even a bit of cardio or some weights I will not shower until I've actually justified that shower by getting yeah. a bit sweaty. And for your heart health, that's what we need to do. I mean, you can be standing all day doing chores or working, and it's not the same as getting that cardiovascular challenge of getting your heart rate up. Yeah. And I just found someone who didn't grow up doing a lot of sport and didn't really enjoy being sweaty. That's been a fantastic game changer. And it's transformed my life to do that. Yeah. No, that is such a fantastic tip, actually. Um, and it's about creating that habit, isn't it? So that your yeah. your kind of brain gets into the thing of the the trigger, right? Shower, no quick, have a do a quick bit of exercise. Um, and as you're saying, you know, doing doing activity, which is kind of what we do every day, and actually doing exercise, which is something which is structured, is so different, um, but so, so important for our health. Radhika, that's a fabulous tip. Thank you so much. <laughs> and I think that will be really quite useful. Next time I go in the shower, I'm going to be, Radhika said, although I, I'm, I'm probably the other way, I probably need to sit still before I go in the shower. <laughs> because yeah, I'm... absolutely. It's <gasps> finding the balance of both, isn't it? So yeah. The other thing that I find really useful is some breathing exercises. You know, oh, just, yes. Just yeah. a couple of minutes of breathing every day just to tune into what your body's got to conquer for totally. the rest of the day totally yeah and they're wonderful apps and things i know out there that a lot of people have kind of recommended as well but thank you so much now rather if people want to follow you find out more about what you do or perhaps you know only if this is something you want for them to get in touch with you in some way or whatever um would you be able to share where people could uh find you 
Yeah, no, I'd love to thank you so much. So um, I'm on the menopause charity page as one of the trustees. Um, I'm also um, from my uh, private general practice work on the Spire Healthcare um, consultants profiles. And you can just Google my name onto that and that will come up. In terms of social media, my Instagram handle, which is probably where I'm most active because yeah. it's really quite a well-used platform, is Arvora. And on Facebook, I'm Surrey and Sussex Private GP. And they're the main areas that I'll be posting information most of the time. I do welcome messages. I, you know, I can't give personal advice for individuals' no. health care, but I think it's really important to be open to this. Finally, the other thing that I think might be worth mentioning is on the Balance Menopause website, I have worked with Dr. Louise Newson to translate um, a dozen or so videos into Punjabi. Oh, amazing. And, and they are available and it's a word for word translation. And yeah. I think to utilize those would be really, really important because we've got a really good opportunity to help the coming generations, but we yeah. need to help the current. Oh, absolutely. Who may not have um, grasped all the literacy. And particularly when I was doing that, I found there was no direct translation words for no. some anatomy. Well, there aren't. There aren't. But there's nothing yeah. for menopause, is there, in first No, and there's person. nothing for ovary and there's nothing for other 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 uh, female anatomy. And oh, I found that striking because it, yeah. a lot of it relates to fertility. And again, that gives some health. of the roots. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that can be some of the roots of, of the inability to talk about these exactly. things. Exactly. Exactly. So it's really, really important. I think the translational videos could be a real good resource for some women. So, I think, you know, the... yeah, no, thank you. I think that will be really useful because I was I was at a um, your Saheli event up in Birmingham where, again, I did a talk on menopause. Um, and, you know, that's something when I when I go, hopefully I'll be able to be invited back there and do something there for them again and do a talk there. Um, I will definitely use that as a resource because, again, you've got that, you know, you, you, we're a very rich um, and diverse population up in, in you know, in the Midlands. Um, so I think that would be fantastic. That's amazing. Really, Thank really you. brilliant. Thank you Thank for doing you. that. No, it's, it's really, I think it's just so important because, um, you know, how can you be reassured if you can't understand? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's the first step of just connecting with someone is letting them understand. And, you know, we have translational services yeah. trying to get the message out of these um, translational videos. And I often, when I'm training uh, professionals, you know, say use models, allow that little bit of time, extra yes. time, and, um, you know, allowing partners in on the conversation and sharing that information is so important. Absolutely. Radhika, thank you so much um, for being a guest on our podcast. And, uh, you know, it was really lovely having you on here. So thank you for giving us your time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening in. If you have any questions about our Don't Pause for Menopause course, our products, or need some advice in general, please just send us a message and we would be glad to help. You can find us on Instagram at Mirrors Made From Scratch, on Facebook at Mirrors MFS and our website, mirrorsmadefromscratch.co.uk.